from Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 5. By what? By faith, Enoch was taken away, so he did not see death. Think about that. That's an amazing statement. He did not see death and was not found. Why? Because God had taken him. That's a way to go, isn't it? Wow. Now watch this. For before he had been, he was taken, he had this testimony that he what? Pleased God. Very important statement connected to the previous statement. That he pleased God. Now watch this. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. So faith is the pivot here. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's how pleasing him plays out. So, Father, we want to please you today. We, We present our faith to you and please you because we trust and believe what you say. Obviously, Enoch did help us to do likewise. So bless us with victory. And bless us with the ability to trust you more. We know the greatness of your authority over our adversary. We thank you it comes through the power of your son Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. How about having the testimony of Enoch? Wow. Not that he built something great or won all these awards or, you know, he traveled the whole world. The testimony that he had is that he pleased God, to have pleased God. And how do you please God? For without faith, it is impossible to please him. And that's what we should be striving for. Now watch, for without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, not was, or maybe is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I want to get that deep into your spirit in this morning's service. God is a rewarder of people who diligently seek him. Now, many things that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection have provided for us. And all of those things are available, but they're not necessarily automatic. In other words, they just don't pop to us because we've got our ticket punched. We've been redeemed. We've accepted Christ's sacrifice for our sins. Healing is available, but it's not automatic. Financial blessing and provision is available, but it's not automatic. It's not just going to happen. Joy, blessings in your family are all available, but they're not automatic. Jesus desires for his people to live an abundant life. So there has to be an expression of faith. Watch this. Jesus wants you to have a quality of inward contentment. Because he said, the thief, Jesus said, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have what? Life. Then they may have it more abundantly. So watch the qualifier. And this is why he said, I have come that you may have or might have life. Okay? Not just life, but have a quality of life, an abundant life. Quality in your life, joy in your life, blessing in your life. It's available, but not automatic. Why? Because he qualified it. That they may or might have life. 
So what's that? What do I have to do? I have to choose to believe what he says and exercise faith. So you have to grasp a revelation of this fact. Everything you do with God requires faith. He who comes to God must believe that he is. So faith is how we come to Jesus for salvation. It's not by our works. And so many Christians wrestle with this issue of self-condemnation. People at the altars praying, but struggling because they have some negative thoughts occasionally, an evil thought, a moment of anger, and then they feel the sense of condemnation. Listen, you're not evil. You're in the normal journey of growing and maturing in the Lord. Some things are just normal in the process. Some stuff is just normal. It's, it's normal for you to have out of the old reservoir, the old life, the old nature. It's, it's, it's very normal for you to have thoughts come out of that cesspool that are not Christ-like. But as you grow in the Lord, you learn to control your thought life because you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is the new life in Christ. There's an entire new mindset And that must always come out of the word of the living God. That becomes your new mind. But in process, it's normal to struggle with thoughts that jump up out of that old nature that are not like Christ's. It's normal for you to need forgiveness. And some people just kind of stay right there at their salvation because they're they're so fearful they're going to somehow lose this thing that God's given to them. And they're so fearful of how they're walking with God and they just, I'm just glad I got my ticket punched to heaven. I'm not going to hell. And they just hang right here until they breathe their last. They're just preoccupied with just hanging on to what God gave them at salvation. But as you mature and you grow as a child of God, and none of us here is perfect. We're no, no, no Enoch's here. No one's left yet. You will no longer be preoccupied with backsliding. See, it's not a concern. It's not a a matter that you constantly are worried about. Why? Because I've made up my mind that I'm saved by faith, not by works. I don't fall out of grace. I fall into grace. So I believe that once you've had that change in your nature, listen, you decide there's no turning back. My faith and confidence is in the Lord. I'm not going to change in my soul or in my heart. I'm not saying I'll never fall, that I'll never misstep, or that I have it all together. No, but my heart and my nature is postured. I am after God. I am in pursuit of the Lord. And some of you need to get set free from this stagnation of your redemption. You just got to know Jesus, and that's as far as you ever grew. You need to get to the place where you understand you live in a physical body, and you have a spiritual individual. You're a spiritual individual as well. And, and it's normal that you have to wash your, your physical body, it's normal that you have to wash your spiritual man as well. So to clean up is normal. To take a shower every day, I hope, is normal for you. To feed your body daily. If not, you're going to develop problems, and a few people around you will have them too. So you comprehend that it's normal for you to have to wash the spiritual man because you will be tempted. And it's not a sin to be tempted. All are going to be tempted. It's normal. It's part of maturing. It's part of growing. It's part of the struggle. It's part of learning to be a soldier. So you grapple with your thought life, and you take every thought, and you bring it into subjection to the Word of God. And how does this line up with what God says? That's a journey. That's a process. 
And just because you have a thought crop up out of that old nature doesn't mean you're no longer saved. Well, for instance, when I stand in the shower, I don't stare at the soap, okay? I'm dirty and I'm sweaty and I'm just looking at the soap. It's not going to do me any good until I grab it and I use it. From God's perspective, you're justified and saved by faith. So what you have to do is understand there will always be struggles with the old nature, with the flesh man. But the blood of Jesus cleanses me. I'm righteous, I'm pure by faith because he imputed righteousness to me. I didn't generate it, he imputed it to me. And so I'm moving past salvation to a greater abundant living in life. That's the will of the Lord for every follower of Jesus, that we progress toward an abundant life. Now it's significant that Jesus didn't say this develops, this process develops by just reading God's word and studying it alone. It's an important part, but that's not all there is to it. There is something about becoming a part of the family of God and joining yourself to the body of Christ where there is an anointing present, where the body gathers and the presence of the Holy Spirit is here. And hearing a man of God who's been with the Lord and has a word from the Lord, because that is the birthplace of faith. Faith comes by hearing the word. And if you really believe that, no one has to call you this week and ask you why you weren't in service. I love it when it gets quiet. I love it. If you really believe that the only thing I can give God that pleases him is faith, which is what he says, by the way, and the only way I get faith is to hear someone under the anointing declaring God's word, and it goes beyond my physical ear into my soul and into my spirit and captivates my mind, and suddenly it's like the pastor is speaking directly to me. He just read my mail. Faith arises in your heart, and the voice of faith says, this is for me. And at that moment, you have manifested faith. That's what pleases the Lord, and it came to you by hearing. That's why this, what we're doing right now, is so important. There is no other way you can build faith but by hearing the Word of God. And if that revelation ever gets into your spirit, you will never allow the devil to ever talk you into being unfaithful to God's house. Because you know he's a liar, and you know where you need to be. If that revelation ever gets into your spirit, that inconsistency, well, I don't feel like going today. I had a long week. Okay. You and how many others? I don't think I'm going to go today. I have homework. Well, I have a sporting event. You know what? When you compare that with what I'm just telling you right here, that's a no-brainer. You recognize right here, right now, I need to be among the body of Christ in fellowship with, with them and hear the word of the Lord. No, no, because what God is saying is faith comes by hearing the word. <clears throat> when you get in an atmosphere like this, if you're here for the truth, God will fill you with faith. And I thought about people who have that kind of eagerness and, and, and that kind of drive and that kind of passion that no matter what they have faced 
and what difficulties they're in, they still get up and they make it into the body of Christ to be in the house of God so they can gather with the church because he wants his church body assembled. Jesus loves the church. He gave his life for the church. When the body is assembled with him, wow, then the things he has planned begin to come to pass. So listen very carefully. I remember years ago, Michael Jackson, in this this particular incident in his life, I remembered how he was on trial a number of years ago, and he was having a real bad day when he got up that morning, and he had several bad days in his life, but this was a real bad day. And, and, and he, you know, he claimed that his back was messed up, and he was supposed to be in court that day because he was being tried. And instead of going to court, his back was hurting, and he says, I went to the emergency room, and then all this drama began that day. You remember that in Southern California? I never saw anything like it in my life. It was like a three-ring circus. <laughs> he comes to court late. He's in his PJs. You remember that? Michael Jackson walks into court in his PJs. His hair is everywhere, and he sat down in the courtroom in his pajamas. And, you know, when I thought about that, looking at him that day, and I thought, wow, I'm late, but I'm here. I've been through hell, but I'm here. I'm still in my pajamas, but I'm here. And that was bizarre. I mean, but I thought, I wish I had some Christians in my church who hungered for God's word like that. That no matter what kind of a week you've had, if you have to, you'll drag yourself in here. Say, because I need to be in the house of the Lord. But you listen, you will get this word because you understand heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will endure forever. Everything else will pass. What remains is his word. And faith only comes out of hearing his word. So you understand that his word also is the sword of the spirit. You have a weapon you become equipped with. You become armed and dangerous when you have been to the house of the Lord and you've heard a word from the Lord. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And there's a word there for your family. And there's a word for your marriage. And there's a word for your future. And there's a word for your physical health. Someone say, the word. Say, victory is in the word. That's why you don't pick a church just because it's close to your house. You don't pick a church because it's like In-N-Out Burger. You don't pick a church because its leadership will never preach the issues of living dead as a follower of Jesus. You just get the same basic eggs over easy every week. Or I go to that church because the people are all like me. And we're all just kind of laid back, and we have no agenda. We're just here. We punched the clock. We did our business. And, and it's consumerism religion. And it's got everything I want in my church. That's not why you pick a church, but that's why some people pick a church. Yeah. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys. Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church but we'd sure like to know who does. 
All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. Me Church, where it's all about you. Yeah. Listen, I go to church. I don't care what the color of the audience is, what the pastor's like, if he's polka dot. I could care what less what color the pastor is. I preached in churches where the majority of people were people of color. I've gone to church services where the lead pastor was a person of color, and he could preach the walls out. I mean, that guy could... R.D. Hinton was one of the greatest pastors and preachers in the United States of America. Is he got a word is the question. And that man had a word. I mean a word. In this day and time, we have to have a word. You don't just show up for church like checking your church box for the week. You have discovered God's word invades every area of your life. Your business, your decision making, your relationships all foundational in the word. So you have to have a word because you're fighting devils and demons for your family. You need a word. So why in the world would you attend a dead, dry church for a decade? Well, for my friend, my friend. Really? Well, granny used to go there and your grandma would have gotten out of there a long time ago, except she's six feet under. So they accommodate my busy Sunday schedule. After all, it's me church. They have a gospel sing every month. Listen, the quartet isn't going to help you. When you're down in the valley and you're fighting Goliath, you better have a word in you. And it says, I don't come to you in the, with a sword or a shield. I come in the name of the Lord is what David said. I have a word. That word is, I'm going to put you under my feet. Many are malnourished in the word. And God says, you better get some word. Because faith comes by hearing the word. So I prepare all week long to give you a quality meal. And there's a great table set at Calvary Christian Center. But you've got to show up and eat. And it's up to you to invite someone else to a quality meal at Calvary Christian Center. The least you can do when there's a quality meal waiting for you is to show up. And maybe bring a guest along. Say, hey, let's go eat together over there at Calvary Christian Center today. And no matter what it takes, walk, get a ride, get on your skateboard, whatever. Get to the Word. And someone say, the Word is worth it. Say, the Word is my life. The Word is what I live for. The Word is what defeats demons. The Word gives me the victory. The Word heals my body. That's what God says. (laughs) And you're struggling to decide whether to come to church or not. Really? I need this word. Tell somebody, I need the word. word. And tell them, don't text me. Don't iMessage me. Turn off your cell phone. Don't talk to me. Don't send me a love note. Leave me alone. I need the word. Jesus put it like this. 
It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I am thankful for the word. The grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. When everything else is gone, this word still stands. God gave Moses a word. He said, this is how you're going to save your family. Place the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of your houses. Tell the whole nation to do it. When the destroyer sees the blood, he will pass over. So Israel exited Egypt after 400 years of slavery. They got out into the wilderness. And when you get into the wilderness, after you've had a Passover anointing, you need a pass-through anointing. Now watch. The powerful thing about receiving a word from the Lord and using your faith. God told Moses... While they started to whine in the wilderness, instead of having a pass-through anointing, after a Passover anointing, they started whining in the wilderness. God said, why are they crying to me? Tell the people to go forward. Say those two words, go forward. And so the word of the Lord to you today is, even if you're in a wilderness, go forward. Because faith is progressive. Faith never gets into a tough spot and says, I'm just going to stay here and wait until I die. It's over. Faith never speaks like that. Faith never stands in the desert with everything drying up and it's difficult and it's nasty and it's hot and says, this is pitiful. I'm just going to have a pity party today because my life is all messed up and nothing's going right. And I'm just going to give up. You will die in the wilderness saying that. That's not God's plan. You need a pass-through anointing. Faith is progressive. That's why Paul said, we walk by faith. When you get into the wilderness, you keep walking. You keep moving forward. Even if it's just an inch of progress that you make, you don't allow your mind, your spirit, your body to lie down and die there. You have to keep moving. When you get into a battle, you keep saying, I will move forward. You say, well, I was just laid off, and, but I'm going to move forward. I got a bad report from the doctor, but I will move forward. My kids are doing crazy stuff, but my family and I are moving forward. Faith talks like that, right in the middle of it. It doesn't wait until you get out of the circumstance to say, oh, God, help me. No, 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 you will do that. But faith starts talking in your head. Because the word of God is in the reservoir, faith has a language, and faith will speak. Faith will call you and tell you the things that are, the things that are not as though they were. God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That's how faith talks. Faith says, keep moving. This is not it. This is not the promised land. This is, this is not the prophecy. This is wilderness, and it's not your destiny. This is not what God promised me. That's how faith talks. It doesn't just stand there and whine at God. It recognizes where they are and says there's more. That's what I love about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because these three men were incarcerated And then they were bound hand and foot. And the king of the world at that time gives an order because these three will not bow to his idol. 
and will not worship a devil god, remain faithful to the God of Israel. And the king said, heat the furnace seven times hotter. It was a smelter furnace where they melted ore to get exactly what they needed for construction, for brass, for copper, for gold, for silver. And the word said, and that's very hot. Those, kind of a, those kinds of furnaces are extremely hot. And the word says when they opened the furnace door, it killed the guards. It was seven times hotter. And that was on purpose, by the way, because that was not a mistake. The king knew when he ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter, it would kill anybody approaching. And here's why he wanted nothing. He wanted nothing. The king wanted nothing but the burned, smelling flesh lying right outside that furnace door. There was a reason the king wanted it that way. Nebuchadnezzar said, think about it. They head toward the smelter furnace. As they walk past the gate, headed toward the open mouth of the furnace, right outside that door are the dead, crispy guards, the smell of their burned flesh. It's an unmistakable odor. Charred bodies. So when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego approached the open furnace, you know, the king wanted from them was their faith to retreat because when they felt the heat, when they smelled the, the, the charred bodies of the dead soldiers who had followed the orders, what the king was hoping for, their faith would go into retreat, that they would call it off. They'd say, okay, king, we, we, we get it. We'll give in. We'll bow. This is what the enemy does all the time. He will show you what you're about to get into. But before he shows you what you're about to get into, he'll show you the people who didn't make it through the circumstances that you're in. He will show you the people who did not overcome, who had similar circumstances. He'll show you people who died trying to get through what you're getting through. And he'll show you people who were once addicted to drugs and they became born again and they got clean. But several months later, they fell back into their old lifestyle. He'll show you every one of them. He'll make sure you meet each one of them. And if you're physically afflicted, he'll show you the people who died from the very thing you've contracted. Because he doesn't want you walking into the fiery furnace believing God. He doesn't want you doing that. He wants you to approach this challenge and then go in full retreat thinking, if he didn't make it, I'm not going to make it. But I like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't pay any attention to the other people. Listen, the word says the king had them thrown into the fiery furnace. And he looked in and he says, I threw in three men bound. But now I see four loose and walking. Look, he answered, I see four men loose. What were they doing? Walking in the middle of the fire and they're not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. And I like that. Walking. Walking. They said, that says to me that when they get into the fiery furnace, they said, if we burn up, we're not going to sit here until we burn up. We will be walking by faith. And if I die, I die. But I'll walk through this furnace by faith. Some of you need to acquire that kind of bulldog faith faith that says whatever happens is going to happen, but I will move forward. I will still walk by faith. I'll keep moving. So I like this text. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 11. He who comes to God must believe that he is. And I looked at that and I said, he is what? 
Well, for sure, he's not, I was, or I will be, but he is, he's present tense. You notice that? He is. But he just hangs it there. He is. Because faith leaves you a blank check. He is. Fill it in. He who comes to God must believe that he is. What? A rewarder. A rewarder of those who do what? Diligently seek him. He is a rewarder. So if you need healing, he is healing. That's his nature. I am the God who heals you. If you need finances, he is all sufficiently my provider. If you need a counselor, he's your counselor. That's one of his names. If you need a mountain mover, he moves mountains. If you need a burden bearer, he bears your burdens. He's an attorney, a judge, a way maker. He will protect you. He will lift up your head. He will make a way because he is whatever you need him to be. That's what faith sees when it looks at God and says, he who comes to God must believe that he is whatever you need him to be. So whatever you're fasting and praying for, and you should fast, not just once a year, but several times through the year, whatever you're fasting for, he is. Whatever you've been fasting and praying for, he is. Then it gets better. And here's what the Holy Spirit wants you to hear. He said, tell the people about me in the rest of that verse. And he is a rewarder of those. Rewarder. And the qualifier, who do what? Diligently seek him. Seek him. Diligently in Pastor C's translation means there's some sacrifice involved. Really? Yes. Sacrifice of praying. Sacrifice of fasting. Sacrificing your time by being plugged in and connected sacrificing using your gifts because the result of that is the whole body is built up or edified when every person, because every person God's brought into the family has a gifting and you all assemble and then the giftings of God that he's placed in you begin to manifest and they begin to go to work and they begin to roll up their sleeves and do the work of the ministry and the whole body is benefited, the whole body is built up The whole body is strengthened, and you're benefited because of others and their giftings. Sacrifice by attending services, being obedient by tithing. That's what diligent means, giving offerings when needed above my tithe. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Not just check the box. And he says reward. Now, when they place a reward on somebody in the most wanted list, and you go and check out the FBI most wanted, the reward is provided before it's claimed. In other words, they get the money, and they place it into an escrow account. And they say, when you find this person, and you bring them in, this is the reward you're going to get. Al Zarahiri, bin Laden's counterpart, He has a $25 million reward on him. Anyone who finds him and turns him in to our United States government will be cut a check for $25 million. And here's what you need to get about this, right? I love this because God says, 
I've already laid up your reward in an account. I've already gathered what I will do for you, and it's waiting for you. So you read this passage, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, and many interpret that to mean you seek him and then you find him, of course, yes. But even more than just I have to find him, some, some, somehow in many minds, people believe they have to get to the end game before there's any reward, and if you don't get the reward, it's because you didn't find him, you didn't get to the end. That's not what the text says. The text says this. And if you, if you find al Zarahiri and you collect $25 million, 2.5 comes to Calvary Christian Center. Okay? Right off the top. But God says, all you have to do to obtain my reward is diligently seek me. If you don't see angels when you're praying and fasting, if you don't have a vision when you're praying and fasting, if you're, if you're not knocked down on the floor when you're praying and you're asking the Lord in the Spirit, even if you don't break and cry while you're seeking my face, God said, I'm going to reward you for seeking me. I will reward you for pursuing and coming after me. Did you hear what God says? He said, I will reward anybody. The reward is stored up. It's in escrow. I will reward anyone, no matter who they are, if you diligently seek me. But just diligently, consistently come after me. Pray, chase me, read my word, turn your heart toward me. I will reward you who diligently seek me. I will pay you, reward you for seeking me. Tell somebody I'm about to get rewarded. I'm about to get rewarded. Diligently. What is diligently? Listen to me. Diligently is Sunday morning. You get up. You grab something on the fly. And you get yourself to the house of the Lord. When everybody else is in their PJs eating their eggs, bacon, hash browns, and sausage. But you're over here chomping down on the worship. <laughs> That's diligently seeking him. Diligently seeking him is at high noon when everybody is in and out and you're here feasting on God's prime rib. Diligently is at 6 p.m. and it's communion, it's the Lord's Supper and you've got your whole family gathered together with you while everybody else decides in town they want to vegetate. You are seeking the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you are drinking water that never leaves you thirsty. And you're making time for Him instead of catering to the flesh. And you're opening your heart to the presence of the Holy Spirit. And God rewards those who diligently seek Him. And I'll read it to you from Isaiah. If you watch or step on the Sabbath... And don't use my holy day for personal advantage. If you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, God's holy day as a celebration, if you honor it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, then you will be free to enjoy God. And I enjoy God. And He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Oh, I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestor, Jacob. Yes, God says so. God says so. Wow. 
That's diligently seeking him. Diligently seeking him is coming home after a hard, long day in the middle of the week, and you're beat, and you're just drop-dead tired. But the boys on Wednesday night in Royal Rangers are depending on your leadership. Some of them come from dysfunctional homes. Some of them are homes with no dad. So you get up, and you come to Wednesday night so you can be a role model for young men. That's diligence. That's diligently seeking him. Diligently seeking him is when your friends skip church for a movie or to go to a WWE event, and you turn into the church parking lot because your hunger is for the Lord. You are diligently seeking him. He said, when you diligently seek me, I will reward you. (laughs) That's the contract. I know he'll keep his end of it. The question always is, will we keep our end? So understand today, God's a rewarder. That's his word, simple and plain. Heaven stands behind what I'm saying to you because it's God who said it. God will stand before his entire created universe and say, speak my word and I will back it up. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He knows what's in the heart. Is he coming after me? He's just checking the box. You're coming after him. He's got a reward for you. Could be that contract. Could be that breakthrough. Could be that miracle. Could be that healing. Could be that restored marriage. Could be your children coming back into the kingdom. He's a rewarder. Stand with me. Take a moment and bless the Lord. Would you do that? Just bless the Lord. Come on. Thank the Lord, everybody. Thank the Lord. Bless the Lord. Rejoice. I'll make you soar. High above it all, he said. Now read these words with me. They're God's words. Not mine. They're God's. Psalm 118. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Well, take a moment and do that. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 122. Let's read it together. I was glad. Whoop, wait a minute. I have to look at your faces, some of you, on Sundays. That's not telling the truth. Maybe it is telling the truth. I don't know. Let's look at that again. Let's Let's start all over. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Wow, that should be what we're like.